time on True Diligence, Les Dames de Scoffier, the Kansas City chapter. To be in one place with that many strong, incredible women who have fought through so much, why would you not want to be involved? Chef Katie McLean of Crokstrom Club, along with pastry chef Jessica Armstrong from Novel. The kitchen to me was actually felt like my safe place. And Mary Mead from The American. It's, it's also an incredible time because I think women right now in all industries are finding their voice. Tell me and fellow member Jill Silva about the organization bringing together Kansas City's women in food and trying to help the next generation. Welcome to this episode of Chew Diligence. We have a full podcast studio today. Katie McLean is laughing at me. Did my voice change? My podcast voice come in? Yes. Yes, yes it did. <laughs> uh, Jill, who do we have in studio with us today? We have three lovely women, members of La Dame's D'Escoffier. And if I've said that wrong, Jessica Armstrong is going to correct me. Um, <laughs> Jessica is a pastry chef and owner of Novel, and we're really happy to have her here today. Did I say it right, Jessica? Go for the French. You know French. Les dames escoffier. Oh, God, that's so beautiful. No. Isn't it? <laughs> I don't sound like that. <laughs> no. And next to her is Mary Mead from the American Restaurant. Mary Mead Eastman, tell us a little bit about your role at the American. You have been on a podcast before, so yes, I have. we know you deal with all kinds of interesting people in your line of work. <laughs> uh, I'm the director of sales at the American, and as most people know, uh, in 2017, we changed from a full-service a la carte restaurant to primarily a private events venue uh, along with the American's concept series. Those events are open to the public. And my role there is to help facilitate the concept series and help market those. And then also I um, sell the private events and I help uh, execute. And you are helping execute a really big dinner that both Jessica and Katie McLean of Crookstrom Club are going to be a part of, along with another list of luminaries in the culinary field. Luminaries. Yes. yes. Love lovely, that word. Yeah, lovely luminaries, because they're all women. Uh, yes, this is the third annual Supper Club, and this uh, it has been held at the American uh, the first two years as well as this year. It is October 11th. It begins at 6 o'clock. And um, it is a full roster of um, women chefs. Um, the primary uh, focus of Supper Club is to raise money for scholarships uh, for young women that are interested in pursuing a um, career in culinary. Uh, we have given out five scholarships so far and looking forward to giving two to three more this year. Also, I just want to let women out there, young women that are interested in applying for the scholarship, please go to our website, which is ldeikansascity.org and click on the scholarships tab and it'll tell you all about the criteria. Then in the first week of January 2020, the applications will be available that you can fill out to look for scholarships for next year. We will have a link on the Chew Diligence Insta for you to go find Laydown's website for sure. 
Excellent, excellent. Um, so anyway, uh, this October 11th, uh, our chefs this year, we're going to start with appetizers with Allison Reed. Uh, she's an instructor at Olathe Northwest and JCC. And our first course is by Katie McLean from Krokstrom. Our second course will be Linda Doerr from Restaurant 1900, followed by Ramey Ash. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Yes, and she's a chef at uh, Strang Hall now. And then the fourth course will be Shanita Bryant, and she is the owner of Magnolias. And fifth course will be Jessica Armstrong, owner and pastry chef at Novel, followed by another pastry course from Megan Geraltz, who is owner and pastry chef at Blue Stem and Rye. Uh, all the wines... Um, will be donated by Glazier, who's partnering with us, and they will be paired, and the chefs are working with Glazier so that it is an appropriate pairing. Uh, the uh, entertainment that evening also happens to be a woman, and that's Julie Hale. She will be singing, um, and so it's going to be a really fun, fun event. Uh, we have uh, had the two spectacular events this year, I mean, previously, and so we're looking for another great event this year. The tickets are $200. Please go to our website, and you can purchase tickets there. What a lineup of top talent of the women in this city, too. That sounds amazing. It's going to be a great, great gathering. I, I am really excited about it. Um, Katie, is this your first year doing Supper Club? Supper Club? My third year. It's your third year. My okay. Third year. And what about you, Jessica? My second year. Okay, so fill us in. Why do you guys want to get involved with this? Besides now that you are now a membership, I can't even say it, membership chair of La Dame's. So that might have something to do with invitations that go out to people. But um, <laughs> we are so excited to have more chefs involved with our organization. And so t tell me about being involved with the dinner in the past and why you joined La Dame's and why you continue to support women in culinary. Well, I got sucked into the first dinner. And, <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, I don't know what this is for. You know, I, I'm not really familiar. You know, the yeah. moms have come in and had dinner at the restaurant, and they all seem like lovely women. And they're like, would you like to cook for this event? I'm like, I've never cooked at the American. This is an honor. I'd love to do that. Mm. And the main reason I did it and the reason I still love to do these dinners is I never get to see these other women chefs on a regular basis. I mean, mm -hmm. Jess is busy. I'm busy. We never get to see each other. And whenever we do, it's like, oh, my God, a long-lost friend that I haven't seen in so long. And you get to just hang out and do what you love, and they get to do what they love, and you get to taste each other's food. And you get to do it for a really... Wonderful cause. A wonderful cause and an audience that's full of people who love food, right? I think half the time we forget that there's people out there, and they go outside, and we're like, oh my God, there's people here, and they're happy, and we're having a great time, and they're having a great time, and I feel like people in the dining room can feel when a kitchen's happy, and that dining room has to be stupid happy, because we're having a wonderful time together. Oh, yeah, the kitchen is amazing that evening. They're just having so much fun. That's where I want to be. No kidding. Can I help in any way? That would be great. Um, Jessica, how did you get involved? Uh, last year was my first year making dessert. Um, it was just a really awesome event to get, to, to get together with my um, woman friends in the, in the industry that I don't see very often. It was a good time? It was a great time. Yeah. <laughs> so can you give us a sneak peek of what you're going to be making this year? Do you know, you know your dessert already, right? Yeah, I decided what I was making about two months ago, I think. Oh, I love it. 
So I'm making a white chocolate cheesecake with a pumpkin gelato and parsnip and cocoa nibs. Oh, very interesting. I love the parsnip sneaking in there. What does that do for the dessert? What do you like about that that flavor note? Uh, you know, parsnips are a relative of the carrot. Um, it's an awesome fall vegetable that I think will go well with the dessert. I like you mix savory in your desserts a lot, or not even necessarily savory, but just different, right? Like uh, you've done a lot with sesame, I feel like, on your Instagram too. Yeah, I was actually a um, savory cook before I turned pastry. Aha. So I know both worlds and I like to meld them together. Now you both, I think I've got this right, you both went to Johnson County Community College? We did. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, Choosing to study in Kansas City when there are lots of different culinary schools out there, um, both here and around the nation. Why did you choose Johnson County? And... um, Tell me a little bit about that journey into culinary for you, Katie. Um, I actually was looking to go to Johnson & Wales at first. My cousin lived in Denver. I was going to live with him. It was very expensive. And you didn't graduate with the ACF certification, the American Culinary Federation. It's kind of like a degree for chefs, basically. Hmm. Um, it shows that you've worked well in school and has have certain criteria. A lot of culinary programs, you just go to class, and it requires you to not have actual hands-on work in a restaurant. So kids graduate and they think they know everything and they've never stepped foot in an actual working kitchen. So I always tell people, go to a school, go to a program where you have to actually work while in school. And if you can maintain and balance working full-time and school full-time, then I think you have a chance of actually making it in the real world as a chef. (laughs) Because it's a lot of hard work. And I think people that don't, they're not overworked and pushed to their limit, they're not going to continue to make it. It's very tough. Mm -hmm. So JCC was the perfect mix of both of those and is stupid affordable. As far as colleges are concerned, I thought it was, I I would go back a hundred times. What about you, Jessica? So I've been working in restaurants around the Kansas City area since I was 16. Um, So it's been 16 years. I was actually going to UMKC for business. Oh, my gosh. And I dropped out to go to Johnson County Community College to to take the culinary classes. And did you um, did you go right into pastry or did you start out savory, you said? No, I started out taking the savory classes because I was waiting to get into the pastry program, which is one year. Mm. So after I took the savory classes, I took the pastry program, which was one year. And you were telling us uh, before we got started that, you know, joking about what we were doing when we were 17. You're like, I was already making wedding cakes. Okay, how do you get into that? I mean, that's pretty complicated stuff. I've just always been into baking. I started early. Um, My grandmother taught taught me how to bake when I was very young. That's a nice memory. Yeah, it's a great memory. Hmm. And so a lot of the women... um, that receive scholarships, some of them are going to uh, culinary school or doing other things in the hospitality industry. Tell me a little bit about why you guys would be involved with La Dame's D'Escoffier, because it seems like, why do we need an all-women organization in 2019? But there, I think there is a reason, right? Can you talk to me a little bit about that? When I went to the first meeting and started meeting all of these people, um, you think culinary and automatically as a chef, you're like, oh, other well, chefs or front of house or people that sell wine. But there's so many facets to the culinary industry. You know, you have food writers like you and, you know, 
all of these cookbook authors and um, people that write pieces in magazines and just it's such a wide range of winemakers and distillers and um, to be in a room with all of those people that are so creative and have so many very special talents that are just incredible to be able to pick each other's brains and spitball ideas and say hey I have an issue what do you think or pick a hole in my you know in my work and when it comes back to you you have a thousand new ideas when you are mentally exhausted from them. And hmm. to be in one place with that many strong, incredible women who have fought through so much, why would you not want to be involved in that? So you had a little um, get-together for about 10 or 12 people last night from La Dame's. And so it was really interesting who was in the room. It was a very diverse group. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about some of the people, just what industries they're in, right? We've got like... We had a, a winemaker. Wine we had a home economist. Yes. We had um, some somebody who works in a bed and breakfast yes. as a chef. Um, we had we had two fangirls there too, who just an just audit, like you, audit. right? <laughs> and Are and they a weightlifter? <laughs> well, I, which was really cool. It was super cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So, kind of an interesting yeah. and very useful group. Mary Mead, you've probably been the Ladam in this room the longest. Mm-hmm. What do you find keeps you a member of that group, and why is it important in 2019 to be advocating for women chefs and women who want to be in the culinary field? Well, I've been in the business for a very long time in the capacity that I am still in, and it has always been kind of a... Um, a man's world. The kitchen was ruled, you know, by male chefs and um, and even run of the uh, front of the house maitre d's or restaurant managers. And then uh, along my career, women have kind of, you know, kind of come in and but they've never really had a um, a strong voice. And there are a lot of chef organizations that is that have been um, primarily um Men, men chefs and women, uh, I don't think had a really strong voice in that. And um, with uh, La Dame's, uh, kind of what Katie says is you have all these different talents and you have these women coming together and they, they can share their voice and they can share their experience and you learn so much from them. You know, everyone has kind of a limited perspective based upon what they do and then, but, you know, we all affect what we're doing, and um, it's 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 also an incredible time because I think women right now in all industries are finding their voice and um, making a their contributions heard and their needs heard, and um, this is uh, within our industry um, a great vehicle for that. Mary, when you're talking about how Ladam got started, I think that was kind of an example of what you're talking about right there. <laughs> and that was surprising to me. It kind of explain the origins of the organization. Okay. Uh, the organization started about 40 years ago. And the reason why it started was because there was an organization called Jessica Le, Le Monsieur Descoffier. Yes. And the men of. The men of. And they would not allow women in the organization. So again, this is about 40, about 40 years ago. And as women started and they said, you know, wait a minute, we're going to start our own organization. It started in New York about 40 years ago and it was La Dame's Day Scoffier. 
And uh, right now there are 43 different chapters. It is an international organization. Um, we have uh, chapters in Paris. We have chapters in London. Uh, I forgot the rest of the international cities. The one in Kansas City is actually 21 years old. Wow. Yeah. And um, we currently in Kansas City have 44 members, which is really exciting. And as um, Jill alluded to, uh, we've always had a little bit of difficulty getting getting chefs because, um, you know, they work you know, in the evenings and mm. like, oh, God, another thing. But they're in the past, I want to say five five years, um, I think that they have, uh, a lot of the chefs have realized, hey, this is an organization that we can contribute to and we can learn from. And um, we want to um, have, have a voice. And um, so it's been really great because uh, it is a very diverse organization, but it's all people in the hos- all women in the hospitality industry, and uh, we have got some fabulous uh, women chefs in Kansas City. And I work with male chefs. I've worked with Michael Corvino. I've worked with Andrew Longress, and you know, and they acknowledge it. Said, "Yeah, we have great women chefs." So um, you know, there's a great presence here in Kansas City. And another uh, early person who was, I believe she's called a granddom, is Lydia Bastianich. Absolutely. Who also has ties to Kansas City. So there's a lot going on there, I think, in terms of women in the culinary field across the country Mm -hmm. who really want to network with each other. And if I guess if I can draw a parallel to anything I've been in. So I was president of the Association of Food Journalists at one time and was a member for 30 years. And... It's still a member, but um, it, it was so great to network with people. It was so great to be able to reach out and call an editor in any city and say, hey, I have this problem. Let's talk about this. Can mm-hmm. you give me some ideas? Um, what I like about Ladam so much is it's very local, um, but it can also be a much wider network. I'm very focused on the local right now and trying to get lots of people involved with it. Um, and I think that this... This dinner is going to be very, very cool. Yeah. I have not been to a supper club yet, but I am excited to see my first supper club. I was going to ask if maybe a silly question, but is this something that you encourage men and women to come to together? Or is this a ladies event for tickets? You know. Oh, no, it is. Uh, men are encouraged to come <laughs> and see exactly uh, what uh, women chefs can do. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, open to anyone and everyone and uh, we get a lot, looking at the guest list last year, um, so many people that went to the first one came back for the second one because it is just a fun, fun, fun event. It is not, uh, even though it's at the American, which has a reputation of being um, a little formal, I mean, it's just a fun event. And, uh, it gets people, wild in the dining yeah, room. Yeah, it does. crazy. It does, <laughs> you know. So, uh, and, you know, you have great jazz. You've got uh, wonderful food. You've got wonderful wine. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, an event anyone would enjoy going to. And we also have, um, you know, the people who are receiving the scholarships. That is a really big reason, I think, to keep doing La Doms, mm-hmm. right? So have you all met any of the young women who have been recipients? Because I got to go to one of the events where they were accepting their checks and they were so excited and so young and you know just thankful 
that other women were helping them along. And I know Lindsay Howerton, who's a member and our treasurer, has been very much in a mentoring role to a lot of these women. So, again, it's not just who we see in the podcast studio today, but Mm. it's all these other women who are coming up in the field who will benefit from this. And I think that's important because it lets them know that they are welcomed. I mean, it used to be uh, like, oh, you're, you're a cook? Oh, you want to be a chef? Oh, oh, you know. There wasn't any support, um, so they really had to fight. But now I think uh, with what LaDoms is doing is, is encouraging them and letting them know, yes, you can have a career in, in this field, and yes, there is support, and um, you are welcome. And um, I think that's really important that they don't have to fight quite as hard as they used to. I want to kind of tap into that with Jessica and Katie. Katie, you've been on an episode with us before. Our very first episode where we, a couple of them, where we talked about this subject. Um, was there somebody, when you were coming up, a, a woman or, or a man in the restaurant world that encouraged you to keep going? I, your mom was in the restaurant world, right? No. No, my cousin Eric was, and he snuck me in quietly and paid me some cash to work for him <laughs> um, at the original Yaya's up north that was, um, I guess it's not the original, but the on 64th Street. On the, the hill. Land. Yeah. And I was 13 and 14, like sneaking around, making biscotti and whatever the hell he'd let me touch. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had a really rough time and a really ugly, nasty experiences in restaurants for a very long time. And finally, I was given a chance at the Classic Cup. And Chef Michael Turner, to this day, he's I love him as much as I love my own father, and my father is my world. Hmm. Um, Chef Turner loves to have strong women in the kitchen. And he takes them under his wing and just, this is what you need to be. This is what you need to do. He pushes you to the brink of crying to make you stronger. He made sure that he didn't guard me from the nasty people in the kitchen, but he made me learn how to deal with it and to come out stronger and better out of it. Um, One of his like sous chefs or secondaries, was Megan Hankey, who is an incredible chef. Um, she was in Kansas City forever at the Cup, and she moved to Hawaii, and I actually tried to move there with her at one point and got scared and came home. I missed Kansas City. Um, and she lives up in um, northern Minnesota now, and she works into some events with, like, Amy Thielen, the cookbook author, an incredible chef. But Megan always pushed me. She's like, hey, things are ugly, things are tough, People are always going to treat you like trash. Get used to it and be stronger and be better and treat others better than you were. Hmm. And it's just kind of been my motto at the restaurant is everybody's my family. I take everybody under my wing, you know, male cooks, female cooks. It doesn't matter. Everybody's the same. Nobody needs to know your parts. Like, hmm. yeah. Jessica, yeah. what was it like for you? And you said you were waiting for to get into the pastry program. That was something that we talked about with the other chefs earlier that – uh, do women have to make a choice early on or you just uh, earnestly loved baking and that's where you wanted to be anyway? I honestly love both both worlds. The kitchen to me was actually felt like my safe place. The kitchen, I can like be myself, which is kind of rare for me. Um, I've dealt with a lot of horrible men, some abuse by men and Older men like asking, like older teachers like asking me out, which is not okay. So I've kind of like developed the strength from dealing with these issues in the kitchen. Um, and it's, I just, it's where I want to be. It's where I'm the happiest. It's where I'm most comfortable. There wasn't any really support that I got um, 
mostly from my parents. They saw that I had a talent and yeah, I never really had a supportive well, a supportive woman around in the kitchen. So it's nice to meet and gather with women now. That's so sad, actually. It, it is. Okay, I'm probably one of the older ones in the room, definitely. And I feel like, man, we should have gone through this already. We should be, in 2019, 2020, we should be, like, so much further along. And I, I remember kicking a kid when I was in, in elementary school, you know, girls can't play sports. I mean, it was that ridiculous time, you know, and then Title Nine comes along and we get to do whatever we want to do. I mean, and it just feels like 40 years later, we're still 50 years later, we're still fighting this. I don't, I hope it's getting better for the next generation. I hope it's getting better for you guys. But looking at women organizations, um, are there other organizations you belong to that are helpful um, being a, a woman chef out there or is LaDom's one of the few out there for you. In Kansas City, I think it's the main one. Um, I was selected to go and be a part of the WeHoo. It's like Women in Hospitality um, United Group in New York. It's kind of a new up-and-coming group. And it was really wonderful to see these very progressive women in a very progressive city. And then them asking me questions about the Midwest and how disheartened I was. Just, we're still fighting these battles that they fought 10 years ago. And it's it's going to take a long time for us to catch up, I think, um, in terms of respect towards women in general, um, just from the things that they had to say. But um, I think the Midwest women have a little bit thicker skin than the women in New York, which is kind of odd. I was like, yeah, I mean, I still deal with that. And they're like, and how do you handle that? I'm like, I don't know. You just deal with it. And they just kind of looked at me like, what? You don't lash out and, you know, t- take it to the news and do this. And I'm like... You just deal with it. It's not new. Like, none of this stuff is new. The way we're treated is not something surprising. It's you become desensitized to it, I think, after a certain point. Yeah, and it, you definitely build this sort of strength. And, yeah. And then it gets brought back up, and somebody asks you, like, more deeply, like, explain to me exactly what happened. And then all of a sudden these feelings come rushing back, and you're like, man, I liked when that was hidden down. So you don't know. You know it's not healthy to do that, but sometimes for your mental ability it's easier just to... Shut it down. So for the next generation mm-hmm. who come to you and say, gee, I'm thinking of a career in culinary, what would you tell them about a career in culinary as a woman? What do they need to learn about, watch out for, advocate for? Tell them what it's going to be like. Tell me what it's going to be like. Long hours. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. It's a lot of labor to get yeah. to where you want to be. And. Everybody wants to have family time. I get it. Like, I haven't spent a holiday with my family since I was 14 years old. They work around me. It might be a week before, a week after. It might be after 11 o'clock at night. You have to make extreme sacrifices. Our relationships in the industry are known to fail. Like, divorce rate in the hospitality industry is stupid high. I work with Josh because I want to spend time with him. I'm sure that's why... <laughs> Sometimes, Jessica makes I mean, a face. There's obviously days where you don't want to be next to them, but... I wouldn't see him otherwise if we didn't work together. Um, So there's definite sacrifices you have to make to be in the industry. But the number one thing I say when I get a lot of um, very young, very green, um, not much experience women walking into the restaurant applying, and I always tell them, it's like, if you're going to work for me or work for someone else, make sure 
you're working for someone that does respect women. And it's easy in a stage to see that. How are the other cooks treating you? And I want to be a safe haven, but at the same time, like, I want to know that there's other places for them to go. But when you see kids with legitimate trauma coming in and saying, this is the happiest I've ever been. I've never felt safe in a workplace. And they have full breakdowns. You can see the actual PTSD on my kids. It doesn't matter if they're boys or girls. Like, I call all my staff my kids. I was just going to say, you're talking about your staff. A lot of them are older than me. But I'm Mama Bear, and I take care of them. And I want to know that when Krogstrom's not around anymore, that they're going to have a safe place to work. And it, it terrifies me. How do you do that? How do you make it a safe place to work? Sounds like a simple question, but honestly. I mean, I treat them like family. You respect each other. I mean, there doesn't need to be a slamming your hands in the window and screaming. You know, you ask once, you ask twice. Third time, you start to get a little perturbed. Fourth time, it's like, slap. What's going on? Like, clap your hands and say, what's wrong? What are you not understanding here? Fifth time, it's like, okay, let's go sit down. You're obviously not understanding something or you just hate me. (laughs) I mean, it takes five times for me to get to the point of, okay, now I'm starting to get a little pissed. And that's, you know, that's how a mom would do it. It's like the first time it's like, stop it. And then you do the, (laughs) you have to work yourself up to that. And I don't know, I think when somebody's being inappropriate to someone else, you call it out in front of everyone. You want everybody to know, hey, we don't behave like that. We don't talk like that to each other. Apologize and be nice. And because I'm mom, I can say that. And they, you do sound like a mom. (laughs) You do. I love it. There's a reason I don't want to have children. It's because I already have children. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, what about you? How do you, in, in the kitchen, which is such a busy, crazy place, how do you make sure things are on the up and up with all of your staff? Well, it's all about putting your ego aside. Uh, I'm. A, you want to be a great listener and kind of listen to what is going on around you and listening to the problems and just kind of dealing with the dealing with it that way. Because I imagine it'd be hard. You, you almost don't get to just focus on the food, either one of you, because that's part of running a business. You have to focus on all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Babysitting, full-time job. Yeah. I, I You know, having, uh, w- not working in the kitchen, but as an observer, um, sometimes I walk in the kitchen, whoop, walk right back <laughs> out. Um, is it, when you're in the heat of the battle, and that's what it is, it's a battle. When you're trying to, uh, when you have a chef on one side of the line and you have all the sous chefs and cooks on the other side of the line, and um, there is just no time for mistakes. And sometimes um, you have to have a tough skin. Uh, it's fast. It's hard work. It's hot. And... Um, It's a great, excuse the pun, recipe for tempers to flare. Mm -hmm. And um, people... It happens. It does happen. Yeah. And people... And then you regret it afterwards. Yeah. That's about the mom and like the family mentality. It's like, your mom might yell at you and spank you, but the next day, she's going to be like, I still love you. And that's why I try to keep Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And some chefs are, you know, uh, I loved Jessica's comment, put the ego aside. Without sounding sexist, it seems a little easier for women to do that than men. I mean, it used to be, I mean, as I've been in the industry for years, I mean, uh, the executive chef or the chef was held way, way up here. And uh, yes, chef, yes, chef, yes, chef. You know, it's just practically bowing 
Um, and it, the kitchen was his domain. I've been thrown out of kitchens. I've been banned from the kitchen for a week. You know, I mean, for back- what? <laughs> what you you need to explain that story? I, I, yeah. Oh yeah, I've had raspberry coolie thrown at me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For for honest mistakes in service, or what happens? No, just when I did, I sold something that he wasn't happy with. I mean, this was back, you know, when in the you know. Uh, I want to say uh, late 80s, and uh, that's when, you know, chefs ruled the kitchen, and they did whatever they wanted to do. HR just didn't even have anything to do with it. <laughs> um, yeah, I was banned for the kitchen for a week once, um, and I just, okay, you know, and I just Sounds complied. like a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but it's different now. I mean, it's, it's it is different. It's different now. And uh, I've seen um, chefs literally something a plate will come off the line and the chef will look at it and just say, forget it and just throw it back. Not throw the plate, but just said, no, do it over again because he wants it right. This is especially, you know, his name is on this. And so I get that. And, you know, it's in the heat of the battle and it's fast and, you know, um, people are emotional. But kind of as Katie said, you know, at the end of the evening, you know, everyone kind of takes a deep breath and a good chef will say, hey, everybody okay? You know, thank you very much for what you've done. You know, hey, you know, next time, you know, there's some things that we can work on, blah, 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 blah. But takes the time to be the true leader that a chef's supposed to be and make sure everybody's okay. But, um, yeah, as, you know, for people that I, you know, young women that I talk to that wants to get into the industry, I say, you have to have a thick skin. Hmm. And, um you have to understand that um, it's fast and it's uh, hot and um, it's it's not for the faint of heart. Mm. And if that's not, you know, and you have to love this business. The hours are brutal. The work is hard. But if you have a passion for it, it's fabulous. But if you don't, it's not the right thing for you to go into. It's not just a job. I'm curious what it feels like when you're working with all women in the kitchen versus sort of a more mixed atmosphere. What What is it that draws all of you to, to doing Supper Club or an event where it's all women chefs? How does it feel different? It's fun. I think, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it's just food. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not this... You know, the world doesn't depend on this <laughs> food that you're making. Well, and you know, you can count on one another. We're all very, very talented women. Like the whole group of women, it's like everybody knows what they're doing. Yeah. There's no question of if somebody's going to be able to hold up their end. We know we all are. So it's just sit back and do your part and be there as extra hands for someone else. Relaxing like, in a way. All, we all trust each other. and mm. It's a good environment. It's a good environment. I like that. So is it is it more... Do you guys communicate better with each other? Do you just do you set a game plan that's uh, well established at the beginning? I just I'm wondering with all the women in, I I, I can visualize the line in the uh, you know at the American what what would it feel like if I just walked in compared to if there were just a a whole kitchen of men? What would what are, what are the differences? Uh, I'll tell you exactly. I, <laughs> I have this whole thing because I think about this all the time. When men come in, it's like, I'm sticking my claim. This is my spot. And then they kind of have a head bustle of who's the man well, in Well, you charge? know, not Which all ones? men will be like sorry. this. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there's definitely a stake of claim of this is my spot. This is where I want to be. 
and then it's kind of a, a pecking order they fall into. With us, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, there's a table. I'll use it. Oh, you want this spot? I'll move. Like, we're all so ultra accommodating for each other. We're like, oh, no problem. I'll do this. Oh, we'll move here. And so it becomes like, I don't know. It's kind of chaos, but we always well, we're make good at, it work. We're good at commun- communication. Yeah. And making sure that everybody else is equally happy. I think that's one thing where at every event it's like, oh, you don't want to work upstairs? I'll do my course upstairs. So it just feels good. It feels right. Yeah. And we never worry about it. Check your ego at the door, right, Jessica? <laughs> <laughs> and you, you were quick to say, not all men. And, and absolutely. We <laughs> yeah, all yeah, agree. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Who were you thinking of when you said not all men? <laughs> are, are, are there supportive chefs that you've worked around that are? Oh, for sure. Yes, yeah. 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 There are a lot of supportive male chefs out there. Absolutely. Can we talk a little bit about uh, Novel and Crookstrom? Both? Yes. Sure. The, the, you guys have both been through, the restaurants have been through big journeys the last couple of years. Uh, Katie, as of the airing of this episode, your episode of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives will have aired. Yeah. Uh, was that a wild experience to film? Uh, it was something. <laughs> <laughs> Different than what people see on TV? I just hope everybody doesn't judge me. It was really hard to work with him. Like, he is, like, he is a... Can I say the word cocaine? He is human cocaine. <laughs> like Very energetic. Oh, my goodness gracious. He's, I can feel like heart palpitations just thinking about him. It's like, oh, my God, he goes so fast. And, and you had, how many, you were telling me like the trays of food you prepared for that day for oh shooting was a lot. I mean, you have these people in the dining room, but you have to have enough food to pretend like you have a full dining room. Yeah. And it was just. Everything needed to be perfect, which you had time to. It was just when it goes that fast, you kind of black out and forget what you say. And then your staff's like, yeah, you like, you know, one of the, my sous chefs thought it would be funny to throw out funny things that I would do. And so when I'm going, they would spitball things like, oh, yeah, she sings in the kitchen all the time. I'm like, yeah, like inappropriate funny stuff to make you guys smile when you're stressed out. He's like, oh, like what? I'm like, you know. I said some terrible hip-hop songs from, like, the early 2000s that are horrible, but they always make everybody smile, and you can't help but sing them. And he's like, yeah, this is a food network. We can't uh, sing things like that. I'm like, good, because I'm not going to. So before it was over, I think he had me singing opera or something stupid. I'm like, I would never do that. But he's like, you need to be more fun. You're, like, very military. And I'm like, that's the kitchen. The kitchen is very, like, kind of a military-style atmosphere. It's Mm. not loosey-goosey, have fun, jump around and dance, like, but he wanted that. He wanted it to be show worthy and entertaining. So I don't know what I did by the end, and I'm terrified to see. Didn't it take a long time to film? Yeah, like three days. Three um, days for like ten minutes. Yeah. Wow. So they have a lot to pick from to make me look terrible. <laughs> you, you don't get to see it before at all. No, I get to see it with everybody else in the dining room, and I'm scared to death. <laughs> right. I I got to come and take a peek when they were filming at Katie's, and I think Seb and I, my husband and I. Um, got to talk about you, which yeah. we were so excited to do because we love the restaurant. Hopefully we end up on the editing room floor because a lot of good <laughs> things. People, other people in the dining room said for you. Did you guys film too? You, you like knew how long it was or? No, I had to talk. I talked with um, Hirocho. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, a big string of Kansas City restaurants on right now every Friday. Pretty fun to see. Um, Novel moved into, how long have you guys been into your latest building? Two, three years? We've been in the new spot for a little over a year, almost a year, almost a year and a half. 
How's it going? It's going great. We love the new atmosphere. There's a lot more room. We have a bigger bar. I feel like people are happier. Um, it's not either too hot or too cold. <laughs> horrible AC condition. Referencing the beautiful, how how old was the house that you guys started in on the west side? That was oh 1920s maybe. An interesting to try to operate a restaurant out of. Yeah, wasn't very easy. I loved the location, but your new location, you're right, is just fun and airy. And yeah, and there's no steps to fall down. <laughs> <laughs> That's a plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have to think about those things. Yeah. The feng shui of the. Uh, service area right yeah, hopefully next year we'll have our patio up and going oh. i do we do have a front patio in the crossroads i didn't know that mm-hmm. i always think of pastry chefs the two worlds the one where you're making for the client things like wedding cakes and, and then pastry chef that operates in a restaurant setting in dinner service and the plating your instagram if you have not followed food drunk which i love the name is so stunning and amazing to follow and looks so delicious all of them and these combinations that i wouldn't have thought of which is why you do what you do. Um, I can't imagine trying to get that kind of perfection in a situation where people have finished their dinner and they're ready to. Do you know what I mean? I mean, what is like? What is that like for you? What is the dinner vibe when it comes to pastry chef and what you guys put into that at the same time? Um, it's kind of like a flow now. Like we prep during the day, then um, we get tickets in. <laughs> You're like, I don't know, I just I don't do know. it. I just do it. I've done it for so long. It's kind of just easy. Um, the plating's fun. We like to make, you know, we use all the very seasonal in seasonal ingredients. Like next week I'm getting apples and cockroach grapes and pears. So the menu definitely reflects what we're getting from the farmers right right now. How does it change when you are going to do how many people, Mary Mead, are gonna be at the supper club, for instance? Uh, probably about 150. Yeah. So when you up the numbers and you're yeah. putting together your desserts, how do things change at that point? <laughs> at that point, you have to start preparing at least a week in advance. Mm. So you're making some things that can that some things that you can freeze for the event. Um, just making sure you're making enough <laughs> and more to taste. <laughs> and more to taste. How much overage do you have to count on for dessert? Oh, I don't really make that much o- overage. Really? No. Okay. So one dessert, everyone. One, not two, not right. three. <laughs> How do flavor combinations come to you? Do you just sit around and think about what, what might be good, or where do you find inspiration for stuff like that? Honestly, just in my head. Like I, I look at what we have, and I try and think of something different that will go together, and then I just create it. So when all of you women are getting together to do a big dinner— how do you course out? Like, do things have to match? Do things have to have a natural flow when you're picking? Yeah, complementary when you're picking your ingredients and your dishes and who goes first, who goes second, who goes last. Um, how do you guys, how did you work on that for the dinner? Uh, usually what we, which I failed to mention her name, my apologies, Selena. Um, <laughs> we usually have a lead chef um, and, um, Selena Teo uh, was lead chef last year, and she's lead chef this year, uh, though this year she's not doing a course and unfortunately has another engagement that evening. 
But anyway, what she does is she works with the chefs, and then you know they, oh. you know, submit what they would like to do, and she takes a look at it and kind of yeah, forces she it out. It. Yeah, and organizes it. And if there's something glaring that's not going to work because somebody else is using, like there's three people using, you know, the same ingredient, whatever, you know, she'll say something. But um, you know. Uh, she, of course, wants yeah, each uh, chef to put forward, you know, what they want to do. Um, and it always, it always works out. And um, that's how that process goes. And then does she work on the wines as well? Or do the chefs have some input on that? Or how do they haven't in the past? And that's been uh, kind of a, a failure. Uh, but getting the wines donated has always been a real difficult thing to do uh, because uh, wine distributors and purveyors just get inundated. Uh, but this year we have glaciers and who, they're donating all the wine. And usually we have to go to different people and we kind of you know, take what we can get. Uh, but Glaciers is meeting with each individual chef to talk about their course and what they'd like to pair it with, which is really upping our game. That's really cool. Kitty, did do you tell us what your course is already? No. What are you serving at this <laughs> delicious dinner? Um, I've been playing a lot with, with vegan and um, all vegetable kind of dishes. So I'm, a lot of it's going to depend on what my farmers can kind of find last minute. So I left it a little bit ambiguous. But I love um, – at Bellinopoli, my favorite thing in the world is their misto italiano. And it's oh. this, like, grilled eggplant that they put in a vat of, like, garlic, chilies, and olive oil. And I could eat that all day. So I've been playing on ways to make that a Scandinavian version. Oh. So um, I've been doing it with zucchini where you just grill it, like, super charred, really black, and then you marinate it in different spices and herbs and oil. And then I'm going to do some cool sauces and some crunchy seeds and – things to kind of bring it up that next level but we'll see what happens with it by the end because I want to see what makes it sing the best thanks to Jessica Mary and Katie for coming to the podcast studio if you'd like to go to the Les Dames d'Escoffier Supper Club on October 11th we have a link to that event and those tickets in our bio on our Chew Diligence Instagram and we have a bonus ending for you today we wanted to share a few minutes of all the fun we had at our one year anniversary party last month thank you so much to Betty Rays for hosting for everybody who came out to support and wow that Chew Diligence Sunday delicious thanks for listening to Chew Diligence Okay, guys, uh, Jill Haley and I just tried the Chew Diligence Sunday. I got it with a scoop of cinnamon, which is one of my favorite ice creams they have, and a scoop of brown butter toasted pecan. What'd you guys think? I thought that was amazing. Good oh. job choosing the scoops, Lindsay. Thank you. It was so good. So we mentioned it was my first time yeah. trying any Betty Ray's ice cream. It was delicious. Um, and I think we mentioned earlier, we called David a flavor master. Yeah. I think that showcased it perfectly it all just worked so well together this brownie brittle he created what well, we need to bring in our our guest who who just popped into betty rays at the podcast party Lindsay anderson is hey here hey guys hi meteorologist hey. Lindsay anderson yes 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 i'm here thanks for coming yeah i'm so happy i just tried the brownie with the toffee on top mm-hmm. that probably you added to your sunday what right? do you think yes uh, incredible so now i need to add the ice cream part to it yes so good. Tasty. You're and eating the components the right components. now. Yes. Deconstructed. I'm all about the brownie. Anytime I see brownie, chocolate, whatever, I'm, I'm game. Yep. That's your thing. Yes. Okay, now you are a big fan of the Waldo Betty Rays. Yes. We are so close right there. <laughs> 
dangerously close. Yeah. But we can walk it off at, at, afterwards, you know? You earn your scoop and yeah. then walk home. Yeah. It's fine. It's great. Yeah. What about Rizzo? Does he ever get a puppy cup? We have not indulged him to that yet. Oh. He's had a couple licks, like, at the bottom of the, the <laughs> cup. <laughs> That's enough treat for him. It, yeah, that's, that'll be fine. Because he's, <laughs> he's going to be wild then. Right. He's a pretty excitable pupper. Yeah, he is. He's two so and cute. a half. Still a, a puppy. <laughs> yeah. What's your uh, scoop that you get at Betty Ray's? Do you have a favorite? Okay, well, after my discussion of chocolate and brownie, it's got to be the chocolate brownie ice cream. <laughs> my go-to. But I have to say, I've learned that their root beer float is incredible. Mm. And you can add any ice cream to it. Ooh. Which, I'm sure, Lindsay, you'd be good at choosing what ice cream would match it. I went just plain Jane vanilla. Sure. But it was so good. That sounds really yeah, good. Yeah. Speaking of floats, so my boyfriend is here. Oh, yes. Nick is here. Hi, boyfriend. He ordered one of the floats. So they have a like a huge menu of concoctions that include ice cream but aren't necessarily just like a scoop of ice cream. Yes. So, Nick, what did you have? I had the, uh, I got to remember the name of it, <laughs> uh, the cold fusion float. Um, had Coca-Cola, espresso, and vanilla bean ice cream. Oh, wow. Ooh, was, How was the espresso added? Uh, it was really good. Um, you definitely tasted the coffee blended in with the soda. Ooh. And then uh, the ice cream just added, like, that extra sweetness to it. It was it was a really nice combination. I really enjoyed nice. it. Nick's first time at Betty Ray's, too. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. Fantastic. He's charged up now. That's yep. right. <laughs> I know, espresso, Coke, and ice cream. That's a... <laughs> You're gonna be up Let's all go. day. Nick. Yeah. That would make me buzz all day. No <laughs> kidding. And we were already we had the bit of the Sunday, and we all go. I think I've had a little bit of a sugar rush. Yep. Totally. It's good. How much good, breakfast good. did you have? I had I had like a really healthy berry kale spinach smoothie, so I could savor them for all this. You are so good. <laughs> you are so good. This is my close to my breakfast. <laughs> I had a banana, and I thought about that on the way, and I thought, that's like having a Sunday, isn't it? Right, right. Banana oh, split. Pizza toast. Yes. <laughs> Just th my day of Sunday. That's right. Early on Saturday. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ooh, loving the crowd. This has been so fun, you guys. I know. The so weather fun. cleared out. It's yes. sunny. It's hot. And now we're talking about <laughs> that afternoon snack people need. I mean, yes. the line is now, of course, I mean, every time you pass a Betty Ray's, you always see a line. But I feel like this time it's pretty long. So do you do what the corner. Seb and I do? We're close enough to the Waldo one. We're like, let's do a drive-by and see how bad the line oh, is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you, then you kind of learn the times that work. Yeah, right? absolutely. But even the lines go by fast. They do. We were just talking about that. Mm -hmm. Even though people try several flavors at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's probably why. I'd like to try seven flavors and, and you, then get the one that I thought uh -huh. I'd get the first place. Yeah. Uh huh. You always have to try the Joe's burn-in one. Have you Gotta tried try it? it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Tried it. I don't know if I could do a whole thing. I mean, yeah. maybe. Yeah. But I've tried it. It's pretty cool, actually. Oh, nice. That is interesting. Nice. It works, doesn't it, does. it? I mean, it just seems like such a disconnect. And then it, it works. Goes. And you're like, whoa, that caramel <laughs> the caramel i like the brisket can you tell i'm a caramel person yeah you like to see i'm i'm into both the caramel yeah. uh the barbecue caramel barbecue. sauce yeah Bar mm. yeah mm. yeah it's it's just awesome it is I good think. it's just also i love nutty ice cream flavors i really do we have some folks at our you table going, what are you guys this? doing yes so this is brownie brittle it's so good. And so there's like toffee on top of that. What's on the ice or the, the caramel popcorn. corn? Oh, caramel mm. corn. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. this is all yeah, for so our it's, podcast. It's good. So take a taste. And you can have a chew diligence Sunday. Yes. And we had one. It was delightful. It was. It was very delightful. I love how when they're making the Sundays here, they just have a huge long piece of brownie that you can like break up and dip in the ice cream. And mm -hmm. 
I'm really excited. We made our own like cereal milk with the caramel <laughs> oh, corn yeah. and melted ice cream yeah, in our bowl. Did. Can't wait. Can't we wait. Did. That Lovely. was, that was delicious. my favorite. Yeah, cinnamon. I need to try that now. Because that does sound like a great combo. And the goat cheese is like, oh, yes. Diehard favorite. When um, my parents are here, my dad always gets the, oh, I'm trying to look at their, their ingredient list here. Uh, where is it? Wasn't there a um, passion fruit one? We just yes, talked about that one. Oh, gosh, okay. Mm -hmm. it's like yeah, so he sickle. loves that. Yes, he loves that one. I just tried it for the first time a couple weeks ago uh -huh. before Hot Dog Friday. We have Hot Dog Fridays <laughs> at 41 Action News. It's the whole thing. Uh, it was really good. I never would have ordered it, but it was delightful. Yes, it's a good little, like, I don't know, the tartness and sweetness together. It's good. Yes. yes. It's good. Delightful. Now Arnold coming. Palmer. Have you had that? No, I just saw I it. See, I'm just looking over there, and I'm going, Arnold Palmer. Peach okay, habanero biscuit. Oh. Okay, I've had the peach habanero. Too spicy sweet? Or maybe, well, might not have been that one, but I did have one that was fruit and habanero, and it was, yeah. That sounds good. Sweet heat. It was, it was delicious. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was really great. And I do like sweet heat. But, yeah, there's just so many. And, I, you know, I gravitate towards the goat cheese apricot yep. too yep. but i'm like arnold palmer seems oh yeah seems That's interesting summer and summer I, written all over it no kidding it does and i've also had the the floats have you had any of the the adult floats no i haven't of the boozy what beverages am I, what am i missing out on guys? you're missing <laughs> how, how have i yeah. not done this <laughs> yeah it's, i actually just noticed that they have <laughs> alcoholic yes ice they cream do. mixtures and you can get like local Oh, that's oh, yeah. cool. Local that's yeah. cool. distilled and microbrewed products. Oh, yeah, like Tomstown is over there. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. And See, I, always something new. It's very so fun. So now when you want to order a boozy little thing, you can just support local. That's, that's why you're doing it. That's right. Yeah. Not Best only for the fun, worlds. but yeah. My goodness. I can't believe our time is almost up for our podcast party, you guys. Oh, my goodness. We're getting close here. It's been so fun. It has been fun. What a lovely time at Betty Ray's. Linz, thanks for being on our podcast. I'm so glad I could pop in and say hello. Yay. Wonderful. Bring in the sunshine. That's right. Try. Yes. I try. It actually literally opened up, I think, like as I was driving to the river market. As a meteorologist, you love to take credit because you get the blame. So. All the time. Yeah. You deserve we'll, the we'll take what we can get. That's right. <laughs> you guys, Jill Haley, I've had so much fun with you it's this past so year. Yeah. yeah. It's been great, guys. Thanks for including me in your podcast family oh absolutely so fun that's it for us from betty rays bye bye have a scoop have a scoop bye.